This is Brian Oates, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Erskine, Minnesota. We are pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. USDA's March supply and demand report is lower corn exports and larger ending stocks. USDA lowered corn exports by 75 million bushels, reflecting poor export sales and shipments. Then increased corn ending stocks to 1.34 billion bushels. USDA lowered soybean ending stocks by 15 million bushels on better export demand and better than expected shipments through February. U.S. soybean ending stocks are pegged at 210 million bushels and USDA made no changes to the wheat numbers. USDA raised global corn ending stocks, lowered soybean and wheat ending stocks in today's supply-demand report. Brazil's production was left unchanged from February, while Argentina's corn production and soybean production was cut. USDA cut Argentina's corn production 7 million metric tons from the February WASDE report to 40 million tons. Soybean production was cut 8 million metric tons to 33 million the WASD report put corn carryout at 1.34 billion bushels. Van On and Company owner Christy Van On says corn exports were lowered, but she wouldn't be surprised by another drop. That is a carryout that is 75 million bushel larger than the prior month, and that all came on exports being decreased by that 75 million bushel. And that, I think, is a very justified movement, and I would not be surprised if you even see them end up cutting exports even further for corn if we don't start to see some private sales. Exports are running 15% behind the average pace. Uh, inspection, so your shipping of the grain is even worse than that. And so we're really struggling to see this demand show fruition for the corn market. And so they came in here, dropped that, and they dropped the average price uh, by 10 cents to 660. The drop in soy crush came as a surprise to Vanon. They dropped crush by 10 million bushels. So that's where you see that net uh, increase in, in demand by 15 million. And the crush was a little bit surprising when you look at it. Um, you have seen crush margins start to deteriorate slightly. Basis has widened out slightly. But I was a little bit surprised by that. It seems like... USDA is almost doing like a dosey -si do between demand structures in uh, the soybeans to try and keep us above 200 million bushel. And I think eventually that will show itself, but maybe that's not going to show itself until the stocks report to give us final carryout levels in September. And at that point, we have a new crop year to be concerned about. Clayton Pope, Commodities President. Clayton Pope is disappointed in the market reaction following the supply-demand report. I think there was an initial flurry to the upside, especially in beans when the numbers came out because they did cut Argentina more than the trade had expected. But I think on further reflection on those numbers, they really only dropped both corn and beans uh, down to uh, uh, what so many of the private and foreign governments have been saying here for quite a while. Um, so in, in all considered, the only real shock wasn't the numbers themselves um, as much as the fact that USDA kind of stepped out of their normal, real conservative approach to this stuff. So, um, like I said, it, it popped up at first, but, you know, really these numbers probably aren't that far off from what the market was trading pre-report. And Pope says money flow will dictate further market moves. As is often the case, especially this time of year when uh, it's not the U.S. growing season, the ball's kind of in the funds court. 
And I think, you know, unless this thing saves itself by the close, I think there's just increasing pressure on these very, very long funds to continue to lighten up on their corn longs and probably to do so on their uh, their beans and meal as well. I mean, this meal market is almost ridiculous how long they are. Uh, you know, we're contract highs, and they're a record long, long more meal than they ever have been. But uh, where do you go from here? I mean, but we're not going to know any final numbers with any certainty until Argentina's crop is harvested. So this is the number we're going to live with for a while. The National Association of Wheat Growers is focused on trade policy and climate policy today at Commodity Classic. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Don Wick has the story from Orlando. It is a unique time in agriculture with the changing dynamics surrounding climate change and farming. Ada, Minnesota farmer Tate Petrie is a member of the National Association of Wheat Growers Environment Subcommittee. The wheat industry is challenged because we're so varied, uh, depending on location and geography. So we have growers in Washington and Idaho, and and talking to them this morning that you know our practices are so much different, um, and what works for us doesn't work for Oklahoma, you know things like that. So. Um, that's kind of what we work on in uh, NOG, certainly trying to figure out uh, what the implications of certain policy decisions would, would do for different growers and different classes of wheat and uh, how we can manage those and come together as a, a coalition to uh, support things that, that work for everyone. Petrie says the focus on climate smart agriculture brings to the forefront the positive things already happening on the farm. There's a ton of growers here that are already doing a lot of these no-till practices and that's part of the part of the issue that we've had is is permanence and um, early adopter things right so um, so we have a really good story to tell um, and it's been helpful frankly to have some of this come forward so that we can say well these are things we're doing so if you want us there's more things that we can do to help climate um, we just need to know what they are and how we're going to implement them um, without hurting our uh, economic success. In addition to his role at the national level, Petrie serves as treasurer of the Minnesota Association of Wheat Growers. Reporting from Commodity Classic in Orlando, this is Don Wick on the Red River Farm Network. National Wheat Yield Contest winners are being honored tonight at Commodity Classic. There were six national winners out of North Dakota and one national winner out of Minnesota. National, they can uh, enter any time. National Wheat Foundation Project Manager Ann Osborne says entries are already being accepted for the 2023 crop. They can uh, enter any time. It's open. It's all online. They would go to yieldcontest.wheatfoundation.org and they would enter. And spring wheat growers have to enter by August 1st. Winter wheat growers need to enter by May 15th. And we have a lot of great partners. So when they enter and put their information in, planting date and their variety and their planting, um, all of their different things, that the inputs that they put on, they need to select a voucher. So if they want to work with the BASF, they want to work with Westbred, they want to work with John Deere, any of one of our partners will pay for their entry to the yield contest. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The Minnesota Association of Wheat Growers delegation is in Florida. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman reports. Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. We are in Orlando, Florida. A little bit before Commodity Classic officially starts, but uh, we are at the National Association of Wheat Growers here talking with Minnesota... Pre er 
uh, President Mike Gunderson. Tell us a little bit about what's going on here today. There's a lot of things happening, some meetings already underway. Uh, what are what are you working on? What are the, the big things that you're focused on? Yeah, it is uh, like our meeting. This is our annual meeting, so this is what we're going through. We're setting our policy and our, our resolutions that will be... Uh, be fixed by our board meeting officially on Thursday, but uh, on our committees, uh, yeah, we certainly go through whatever uh, it affects. Uh, I'm on domestic and trade. We had some operation and planning uh, meetings, uh, and that's how we plan our meetings and our discussion on that. To and you mentioned there's a lot of work that's already gone on so far throughout the year. C certainly, with the ad advent of COVID, we've certainly been doing a lot more Zoom meetings, uh, and that's. Uh, I don't know if it's good or bad, but we're certainly having a lot more discussions before the meetings start. Uh, so hopefully uh, they, they go a lot quicker, you know, here because we're having that uh, conversation earlier. And then we kind of just kind of finalize a lot of it here at these meetings. Uh, uh, it's a good good way to network with other wheat growers and other commodities. And talking about that domestic uh, trade, what are some of the priorities then within that, that committee that you guys work on and tackle? Like it says, it's domestic and trades. So when we start working on like the farm bill but i mean we got we got different committees that take care of different portions of the farm bill so i mean we have an environment and research where that actually takes care more of of some other stuff on on the environmental side and stuff like that but yeah for domestic and trade uh you know crop insurance that goes a lot of that goes under our side but then some part of crop insurance is tied to environment so it goes under their side too so it can be freight it can be transportation that's a lot of what stays under domestic and trade of course our partner u.s wheat also handles a lot of that too but uh, our bottom line is you know how do we grow our wheat acres how do we make it profitable for uh, our farmers back home and and that's what we're really looking forward how, how can we grow our our acreage base um and then how we work with uh, the farm programs, the safety nets. I mean, that's the big thing is is uh, to work with those programs. And uh, because we're, we're a new farm bill is under discussion. They're <laughs> holding meetings, and that's one where where we want to be active in and make sure we have the right policy. And and we just wait for Nog to finalize our, like say, some of our policies again, and and go forth from there and and what we're lobbying for. Mike Gunderson joining us on the Red River Farm Network from Orlando. I'm Whitney Pittman. It's day number two on Capitol Hill for Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell testifying in front of the House Financial Services Committee. Powell says the central bank is keeping its options open about how much to raise interest rates this month. Those comments coming after market analysts interpreted yesterday's comments from Powell to the Senate to mean a half-point rate was hike was likely. Powell stressed the Fed has made no decision on the interest rate hike at its March meeting. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell says a few upcoming reports will help determine the Fed's next move. We have some potentially important data coming up, uh, data to be analyzed. Uh, one of them came out at exactly 10 o'clock. That would be the JOLTS report. But we're also getting a jobs report on Friday <clears throat> and a CPI and PPI inflation report next week. So those will be important and we'll scrutinize them. The Fed has increased interest rates by 4.5% in the past year. Powell says the interest rate hike effects are being seen in small amounts in the American economy. We continue to anticipate that ongoing increases in the target range for the federal funds rate will be appropriate in order to attain a stance of monetary policy that is sufficiently restrictive to bring inflation down to 2% over time. In addition, we are continuing the process of significantly reducing the size of our balance sheet. We are seeing the effects of our policy actions on demand in the most interest-sensitive sectors of the economy. It will take time, however, for the full effects of monetary restraint to be realized, especially on inflation. 
We will continue to make our decisions meeting by meeting, taking into account the totality of the incoming data and their implications for the outlook for economic activity and inflation. For more information from the Red River Farm Network, visit Facebook and Twitter. You can also find stories, podcasts, and more at rrfn.com. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good afternoon. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. The National Pork Industry Forum kicks off today in Orlando and continues through Friday. Industry updates, delegate work, and officer elections are all on the agenda. Nancy Joe Bateman and Jerry Doan were selected to be inducted into the North Dakota Agriculture Hall of Fame tonight at the North Dakota Winter Show in Valley City. Bateman served as the executive director of the North Dakota Beef Commission before retiring at the end of 2022. Well, when I found out that somebody was even considering nominating me, I thought, boy, this is really a humbling honor uh, to be nominated by, you know, peers that I've worked with for decades in agriculture and that I really respect. And um, so I I guess that's, that's where it started. And uh, I'm just really uh, honored that someone thought that the work that I've done over the last several decades was worthy. Bateman grew up on a farm near Kindred, North Dakota, and says the agriculture community needs to speak up about their lifestyle. I think they need to tell their story. Consumers today are so far removed from a working knowledge of where their food comes from that it's up to us to tell the story, and there's no better place for that to come from than from a young family that is not only producing food for themselves and, and eating it at their own table, but are confident in telling people around the country and the world where that food comes from, the love that goes into it, the care for those animals, the care for the land. And, you know, we have got the highest quality, safest food products, you know, beef by far, of the whole world. And we need to be proud of that and share that story. Now taking a quick look at the markets before we leave you. Minneapolis May wheat down 15 and a half at 837 and a quarter. Chicago May wheat down 12 and a quarter at 685 and three quarters. May corn down nine and a half at 624 and a half. May soybeans up two at 1517 and a half. Soybean meal is down $2.50 at $485.30. May canola down six at uh, $6.70 at 806 dollars and twenty cents. That's in Canadian. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.